podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. They could break here, Chelsea. This could be the moment. Frank Lampard for Chelsea. It's Carvalho to his right. Lampard for the title. Lampard, it's 2-0. It's Chelsea's championship. And 50 years of waiting have come to an end. Lampard comes out to Essien. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Chessie Hour. I'm joined by one of my favourite um, co-hosts, um, Timpson. How are you doing? How are you doing, Babs? Always a pleasure to be on with you, bro. You good? Yeah, I'm very good, man. I'm very good. And I've got another special guest here. You know, some people call him the American, but I prefer to call him Buzzy. Buzzy, how are you doing? I'm good, Babs. I'm good. Whatever nickname you give me, I'm I'm ready for. <laughs> good to hear. Good to hear. Before we um start off the kick off the podcast, um, what is a quick um quick pl- cheeky plug for Fanslide? You know, this podcast is um, sponsored by Fanslide. In the first live in play fantasy football game, I don't know about you guys, but I've been playing it a couple times this week, and I've not exactly been having the best of luck. That Portugal game, for, for instance, it completely threw me off. You know, Ronaldo, he only chose to score in the last couple of minutes. But yeah, I don't know if you guys haven't played it, Timson. Yeah, I did today and Lukaku let me down. But um I, I gambled. I was like, you know what, let me let me let me put some stock in um at least the, the hazard that is playing and they actually scored while I had him. Now, who, who would have thought you, you picked Forgan before you picked Eden Hazard? I know. Who who would have imagined like he would be starting and Edin would be on the bench? I know, man. I know, but yeah. Um, shout out, Manny. Um, Trench, baby. You, you seem to be high up on our leaderboards. And you seem to be doing pretty well. So keep going, guys. Don't forget. You know there there is cash to be won here. You know ten thousand pounds. If you guys want to have your hot boy summer, hey, you, you know what you got to do to to get that money. But yeah, let's let's get straight into it. Um, before we really kick off this podcast, you know, let let's discuss. You know, the, the transfer dealings. You know, I, I don't know if you guys saw today. You know, it's been a bit of an emotional day. For any of them, any of Cobber Knights, you know, like me personally, I'm a very massive I'm a fan of the of the Academy boys. You know, I've got a very close, um, I've, I've got really good close feelings with them. And seeing Tamori go, I don't know about you guys, but just it, it really did put on my heartstrings. What did you think, Buzzy? Yeah, the posts from from Tammy and everybody, you know, from from however long back, and uh, their captions, it, it it gets you, it gets you a little bit. Um, it's a shame. It's a shame. It, it hurts to see. I'm um, good for him, of course. Like happy for him on another front, but uh, it, it's hard for all the guys who who came up with him together. Um, especially, I was looking at Tammy's post, thinking that maybe he's going too, and and uh, we'll see what happens there. But um, yeah, it's tough. It it feels like uh, when someone's that good, and a lot of us think he is, to to watch him maybe get away too soon here um, feels like a missed opportunity. But it's uh, it's too late to go back now. So, 
Yeah, man, it is two weeks ago, but now what, what about you? Just what are your thoughts? Do you, do you think it's um good business as a lot of people have been saying? Honestly, um, I think it is. It's sad that um, an academy player doesn't make with such promise as well, doesn't make the grade. But in regards to um, who we have in the squad, um, who we have coming through from the academy, relatively speaking, I think it's good business. Mm, fair enough, fair enough. And, you know, some would say that, you know, if you, if you compare it to another English defender, you know, Ben White seems to be going for quite a high figure. The 28 million, it does seem to be a bit light. It does seem to be a bit light. And I, I guess we'll have to wait and see to see how um, tomorrow he does go on. And what could we say? We've just got to wish him all the best, you know, and hopefully he does prove um, Cobham right. So, yeah, um, I don't know if you guys have also seen, but today, um, Hakimi, you know, it does seem as though this is a done deal. It does seem as though it will be 50 million plus either Emerson or Alonso. And I wanted to um, extend the question to you guys just to see if um you guys would, what, what not, not not even just see like what, how you guys feel you'll fit in, but what are your thoughts on um, Hakimi as a player? I'm going to start with you, Timson. I think he's one of those um, failed wingers who's kind of settled on um, being a wing back who loves to get forward, um, very exciting. And he's got those kind of, he's got those um, qualities of being able to be a full back or a wing back and beat a man um, the same way you would expect a winger to be. Um, in regards to his signing overall, um, he he wouldn't be someone who would come to mind when I'm looking at strengthening the squad. I don't think, um, you know me, I'm always you first. So looking at the players that we have like ready to come through, it's a position I'd rather leave vacant um, or leave with this leave with the current squad, um, whilst um, uh, a Tino Livramento develops and maybe um, grows to fill that role. But ultimately, if he signs for Chelsea, I'm going to support him. But it's not one that I am like actively campaigning for. Mm, yeah, it does seem like we are going to be quite um, pro academy in this podcast. And I'm going to extend the question to you, Buzzy. Um, you know, it does seem as though it will be Alonso Emerson going the other way. If it were up to you, who would you rather, you know, be, be shipped off to Italy? Um, I don't think anyone's. I don't think anyone's going to take Alonso. His wages are probably high. I would. I would be fine to get rid of Emerson. I think Alonso, if we're playing with wing backs, has actually done uh, as much as I've I've hated on him over the years. Has actually done a decent job under Tuchel most of his appearances. Um, I, I prefer Chilwell overall, but uh, he's been serviceable. He's older. I don't think the resale would be on high on him. I think teams would be a little wary of his wages. So I think Emerson has a little bit more. Um, a little bit more appeal, and then Alonso is a is a fine backup. I think a lot of teams would would take a player of that stature as a backup. Um, as far as Hakimi coming in, yeah, I don't think that's I don't think kind of what Timson said that that's a um, if you're looking at how do you manage a, manage your budget efficiently and smartly, which I think is how a lot of the clubs who like Liverpool who really maximize the effect of their spending, I think that's the best way to like really run your budget. Um, I don't think this is getting. Uh, an, an addition of improvements enough per the money, considering that we have reached James. Aspilicueta even's been a surprisingly good uh, wing back in that role. Tuchel seems to not mind that. Um, I think, like he said, some of the people coming through, like uh, Livermento, it seems. I think Hakimi is really good. I think he's. I think he's an elite player. But um, I, I'll be excited once he comes. I'll be excited to see him play for us. Don't get me wrong. I, I think he's. I think he's great. Um, but I do think it's kind of, if you're looking at the squad and how to take it up a level, 
Um, maybe we're wrong. Maybe his attacking contribution um, is is uh, what we really needed because you know we're saying we're not getting a ton of actual assists out of Reese James in that position, uh, even though his crossing is is on paper is really good. So maybe that will kick us up a notch and more more creativity, and more assists um, from our right-handed uh, wing back would would be good there. Um, but yeah, I don't think if you're looking to maximize the the spend that necessarily a wing back when we have Reese James who now maybe has to play center back, you know, long-term um, that that's really the, the first place I'd spend whatever we're looking at 50, 60 million pounds. Mm, mm, that was a really um, nice and balanced answer. I'm going to really put it on you here again. And I'm, I'm going to ask you, how do you think um, Hakimi does um, fit into the team? Cause you did mention the Reese James there and um, his, um, his center back position. And we do know, um, you know, Tuchel, he does like having his captain on the field. So how do you think Hakimi comes in and shapes up the team? Do you think there's going to be any impossible shakeups, or do you think it's going to be a, a nice and easy transition? I think uh, I think there ha- I think to chase somebody like this for this amount of money, there has to be a pretty. I hope there is. I think there should be a pretty clear vision of what you want to do with that player. Um, I think that probably includes just playing him at right wing back, um, which means you better be pretty sure about playing three at the back and playing Reese as your long-term right-sided center back uh, for me personally. Um, I, I like Reese as a wing back. I think he's better defensively than a lot of other wing backs are. Um, but yeah, we're, as I said, we're not getting a lot of end product out of that. So I can see the upside. I can see the upside of a more attacking player playing, playing there. I think Chilwell didn't have a load of goals or assists, but he definitely contributed and um, things like his touch uh, for Mount to make the pass for the, the goal in the Champions League final. Um, that's kind of what a good technical player in those positions uh, will do. So it could make a big difference. I think he slots in there, but there's a knock-on effect on the whole rest of the back line, and especially on Reese James specifically. And he's someone that we all kind of believe in. So I'm I'm wary about um, putting him in a, in a in a spot to succeed less, or if we want to shift away from uh, three center backs in the future, all of a sudden his his go-to position uh, is kind of gone, and then you either rotate James and Hakimi, which is great on paper, but I don't think two players of that of that potential caliber. Uh, want to be rotated uh, you know they both want to be starting options Hakimi can also play on the left so I guess between everybody maybe there's enough starts but between that and the fact that Hudson Adore is getting some minutes at, at wing back you start to people start to get pushed around um, pretty quickly when somebody like that comes in for that much money. Mm, that's a really well balanced answer and I did like your point and you know, the fact that he does obviously add a, a large amount of quality and it's just about seeing how he quantifies it when he comes to the team. Um, Timpson what are your thoughts do you think um, Hakimi coming in can possibly um shake things up the wrong way or do you think the the only way is up from here? I think it's definitely got the potential to just improve the quality of the squad, um, the overall um, work rate in terms of training and wanting to be a starter amongst the squad because obviously healthy competition is good, but also it also has um, every opportunity to um, be an unsuccessful transfer. He could come in and um, break his leg in the first training session. Um, He could not settle he could um not be not adapt to the physicality of the game or he could just not be a positive influence on the changing rooms not to say that he will because i don't really know much about hakimi's personality uh, obviously what we do know of he was someone that the club was targeting for a longer period of time before kind of reese james was given an opportunity an opportunity by frank lampard so i'm assuming he would be um someone that would fit quite work reasonably well into the Chelsea squad anyway um but like any like any transfer it it will there's always a possibility of it not working out but um if you're getting if you're looking at it 
purely on face value. He is a he is a talented right wing back who will undoubtedly add quality to the squad, whether it's as a start or someone or someone um, regularly rotating in and out of the squad with Reese James or whoever else, um, depending on the game. Yeah, I did like the answer. And yeah, if, if I was to give my opinion, I do think he would definitely be a starter. You know, you don't pay that kind of money for a fullback to, to retain in and out. You know, I do know Tuchel likes, he's had, likes to have him dynamic wing-backs. And a player like um, Hakimi is able to take players on. It's going to add a good dynamic to the team, you know. Because um, Reese James, that's not really his game as much. And I mean, that's probably one of the, the hardest qualities to actually quantify, just in terms of like um, Hakimi's athletic ability, just to just to actually just like kick off a counter-attack. And I do think that's going to be um, a, a big um, additional um, impact for Chelsea going forward. And I do hope that he does do well, because <laughs> if you're paying that much for, for, for a wing-back, you know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be expecting quite a bit. And um, just to um, also look at another um, player that we've been linked to, um, Locatelli, you know, he he had um he's played two games in the in the Euros specifically, but he's come off a strong season for Sassuolo. You know, he's played extremely well. You know, I, I've I've watched him closely as, as as much as other people have, and I'm just going to lean on to you, Tim, and just see if, if you've um, seen anything from him and what your initial thoughts are are, are based on him. So he gets mentioned on the uh, U23 podcast that I listen to, um, and they speak quite highly of him. Um, as someone who can unlock defences from deep for the most part. Um, a little bit more mobility to his game than a Jorginho, but um, he still lacks um, in general in that um, kind of side-to-side motions um, as, as in a way that you'd expect from a shuttling midfielder. So um, all in all, he's a player with, with uh, promise that... Um, Juventus didn't see initially, but um, now he's kind of... Um, Milan. To, uh, sorry, Milan, forgive me. Um, he had to take a step down to kind of um, build it, build up his confidence and get that body, that get that get those minutes behind him and develop into the player that um, we now see. Um, so all in all, I, I can't really comment too much about, uh, because I haven't watched loads of him, but um, what I hear about him is positive. Mm, interesting. And um, Buzzy, have you watched uh, much of Locatelli? And just give me your your brief um, opinions on, on what how, what kind of player you think he is and what kind of value you could add to the team. Yeah, I've seen a bit of him, including in his prefer, uh, impressive performance uh, for Italy the other day. Um, he, in, in, on paper, I, I definitely see us having the need for that type of player. I think a lot of people's issue is the creativity from the, from the midfield, from the... Um, you know, we have we have maybe one or two attackers who play behind or with the striker, and that's that's in some ways it for creativity. Um, so I think a lot of people say Jorginho won't be picking out like a super long pass, doesn't get a lot of assists. Locatelli can hit those balls. He has above average, you know, uh, assists, expected assists. Like he is that he is that passing type of player. He plays nice. He plays nice passes. He's more progressive. Um, he does make tackles and interceptions too. He's not, he's not just a guy looking to go forward. Uh, maybe not, you know, as much sitting back, but I'd, I'd worry about playing him, uh, you know, next to Conte maybe um, just because someone's not really that dedicated sitting role. And you kind of have two players who like to get forward and maybe they're both intelligent enough to uh, compensate for one another when the other goes forward. But um you know, that's, that's something that the, the manager would have to balance, but as an, as a talented option who kind of fits the rough profile, I could definitely uh, see us needing as far as a more creative player from midfield. Um, it's appealing, um, you know, it would depend on the, on the fee and on, on uh, 
who, what else we plan to do with our midfield because it, it, it gets a little crowded, uh, especially you know depending if we want we want Jude in the future and and um, those considerations. But most of our midfield is definitely on the older side, so it does not hurt to uh, does not hurt to consider players like this. That's for sure. Definitely agree. Definitely agreed. And I, I did like that the name you mentioned there towards the end in terms of Jude because I do know um, Agent Rich has been putting in work, you know, trying to get him to come to the blue side of London. I mean, it's not like he will be going anywhere else in London. You know, you know I, I don't know about those um, the guys up north or, or, or whatever, but you know, I feel I feel like we, we know where he'd want to come if he was to come to London. But yeah, um, an interesting aspect you mentioned in, in the fact that um, he could he does add that creativity to the team. And what I wanted to ask you, um. If you if he was if he was to come in, do, do you think that affects um, the game time, not just um, in the in the now, but in, in the potential future of a Billy Gilmore? Mm, yeah, that is the, that is the thing. Bill is kind of the Bill is kind of it's partly it's partly his age and experience, but it's also his exact role uh, has kind of made him the odd man out. He's not quite Jorginho in the sitting. He's more forward looking, which we do need, as I said. Um, so that's not bad. But then if we're only playing two men in midfield, suddenly you really have to make sure one of them is, is uh, more of a, you know, we'll be back to protect the defense. And Conte obviously has a preternatural sense for finding the ball and finding the openings, but a lot of that is further up the field sometimes. Um, and so uh, Billy, you know, as the option of two, I think him and Locatelli, depending on the opposition, could be good interchanging uh, options to have, or maybe a three-man midfield, which sounds really appealing given our midfield options, honestly, but it obviously, again, impacts the attack after that. So uh, these are all considerations for Tuchel. Um, Billy's definitely got to either go on loan and get some some real first team minutes to show what he can do across the whole season, or has to be concretely in the plans for how he's going to be used because this sort of he gets one every seven games, if that, to to kind of show what he can do. And we're usually it's usually positive. We're usually impressed, but uh, I don't think that's enough for a player his age or potential talent to just occasionally uh, you know show out and then go back to the bench for for many matches in a row. Yeah, I definitely do agree. And speaking on Billy Gilmore and Timpson, I want to get your opinion on um his notable omission, you know, in, in the in the Euros opener game against the Czech Republic. You know, you, we did see how um, Scotland actually struggled to withhold the, with, to hold the ball. You know, you've got a player like McTominay who's well, he's 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 a lot more scared of the ball than what you'd expect from a, from a natural midfielder in the position they played him. I just want to get your thoughts on um. What, what what did you think about that? Do you think it was it was um it was a mistake on the Scottish manager's part? Um, I'm gonna raise my hands to be and accept and admit that I'm one of those Chelsea fans who would have no interest or knowledge of the Scottish setup and squad if not for Billy Gilmore being called up. Um, Steve Clark is very risk averse in general. So when I was listening to um, when I was listening to Kieran Devlin talk about um, who's a correspondent who follows um, Scotland for the Athletic, um, when I listened to him um, recently talk about he's risk averse and um, they're missing a holding midfielder. Forgive me, his name escapes me. Um, he's a holding midfielder who is able to progress the ball from deep, um, which allows McTominay to actually drop deeper into a right centre-back role. Um, then in regards to the role that um, he's had McTominay play um, in the- That um, Kyler McGregor from, um, from Celtic. That might be him. Um, yeah, I can imagine it's him. But um, yeah, he's not comfortable doing that role that he's been, that's been asked of him at the moment. Uh, Billy Gilmore um, is definitely more comfortable. Um, 
and I think the general consensus is he's a quality player, and um, there's not mass. There, there are there are some calls for Billy Gilmore to to, to start against England, um, but the biggest the biggest shout, um, which is almost synonymous with Billy starting, is that um, England that Scotland can't be passive and they can't be um, pragmatic against England. They need to take risks and starting Billy Gilmore, hoping he gets on the ball and shows the quality that he's shown when he's been given minutes under Tuchel is um would be would be a massive boost for Scotland. Definitely, definitely, definitely. And I mean when you add him a player of that kind of passive volume to Scotland, it does allow him to get forward in the pitch a lot quicker. You know, he's a lot more progressive than you'd expect from McCominay. He's a lot more accurate in his passive than like someone like him begin. And I feel like that would that would, he would offer a lot more of a balance in terms of um, the Scottish midfield. And to talk about another Chelsea midfielder, you know you know, Jorginho, you know, he's had a very strong um, opening campaign to the Euros, you know, an amazing performance against Turkey, a really strong performance against Switzerland. Basi, I wanted to get your, your opinions on how he's um, started this tournament and um, what, what what you felt overall about Jorginho coming towards the end of the season. Yeah, I'll admit to being a, uh, a not, let's just say not a big fan of Jorginho for, for much of his uh, Chelsea tenure. Um, perhaps that was, perhaps that was misguided or the team has to be set up, which has kind of always been my actual stance on it. Uh, the team has to be set up in a way that he can thrive. I don't think he's someone who you can just put into a lot of setups and, and have him um, have him see success if there's not a kind of role for him. And if the team isn't, isn't there to make it, uh, make it tick. And I think Italy in a lot of ways plays similarly to uh, how Tuchel's Chelsea plays where we've seen Jorginho maybe at his best uh, especially here towards the end of the season and now into Euros. Um, he, yeah, he, he controls, he controls the tempo and possession for his team as much as I resisted uh, saying that about him in the past. Uh, I still don't think he's someone who makes a lot of good, uh, uh, you know, offensive passing. He's not that player. Um, he always tries that long ball that infuriates me over the top of the defense because he almost always overhits it. Um, but otherwise uh, stick to the positives. He, um, he, he's been doing a really good job at keeping possession, playing it deep, cleaning up, sweeping up loose balls, um, recycling possession, getting it to the players who can be a little more dangerous. Um, and it's easy for a player like that to not even be uh, noticeable. Um, sometimes when those players are playing well, you don't actually notice them a lot. I think he's been doing even well enough really that you are visibly seeing it flow through him that way. So um, he's been he's been pretty impressive. So I have no problem uh, no problem giving credit where it's due because I think for both Italy and Chelsea. Uh, towards the end of the season, he was he was pretty massive in some of the big results we got. Yeah, it was a really impressive performance that he was able to put out, especially against Turkey. You know, he was literally the metro the metronome in midfield. You know, everything goes through him. He's the controller. You know, yeah. like and and you, and you do struggle to see why um, people are you know so against him when he plays in this role. Personally, I agree with you. I'm not his biggest fan, but I am someone that you know. Even if I'm not a fan of player, I can always you know. I can always appreciate what you, what you bring to the team. And when you have a player like Jorginho, he's able to bring a sense of control. You know, he's able to sniff out danger extremely well, as he showed against Switzerland, Switzerland as well. I, I can't complain. I, I, I cannot complain. And to, to compare it to another performance, you know, because we, we are obviously linked to him, you know, seemingly. Tim, so I want to get your opinion on Declan Rice's performance um, against um, Croatia in the opening game. You know, um, he played a bit of a, of a, of a more unorthodox um, DM role. You know, he was just there to sweep up, to sweep up, you know, and get the ball off to um, Calvin Phillips. I was supposed to get your opinion on how you think he played and um, what your thoughts are on this whole, like, um, Rice coming in to replace Declan, Rice coming in to replace Jorginho and fantasy that some Chelsea fans have. 
Right. Um, talking about Declan Rice's performance um, against Croatia, you look at it and you say, if you look at it for face value, you think, wow, Declan Rice didn't do anything. Then you look at it again um, and you think he sacrificed everything he gives you on the ball um, in terms of contribution in possession just to ensure that he pretty much makes sure Luka Modric has a miserable day at the office. So he, he, he sacrificed part of his game to stop Luka Modric playing, which in turn pretty much stopped uh, Croatia from building anything of substance. So ultimately he was given instructions and he followed them if, and um, implemented them effectively in addition to when um, in the second half after we tried to maintain that lead, um, he made some key interceptions, so his reading of the game was still at um, top level of con- at top levels of concentration at the latter stages of the game. So ultimately, I think um, Declan Rice that performance will probably go underrated, but it was very very intelligent from Declan Rice. In regards to him coming in at Chelsea, uh, I've just come to terms with it. Um, if he comes, he comes. If he doesn't, he doesn't. Uh, personally. Um, obviously, you all know my dark horse, uh, Trev Chalabar. He's had a superb season at Lorient um, to the fact that he um, came in as a DM and he's playing against the likes of um, Verratti and Chouameni um, in midfield in the French League, getting that experience in midfield and holding his own, mind you, um, doing good stats in terms of under-23 numbers and um, then dropping into a back three to show his versatility. And I think he's got the profile, the same with, um, similar to Ruben Loftus-Cheek in terms of someone with that uh, physique and um, and that PMP that um, Thomas Tuchel likes, but they have the technical ability to follow his instructions um, to a T. So I think he's someone who, in preseason, if he gets a look, he could catch Tuchel's eye. So if Rice comes in, that's just not going to happen. Um, so uh, if he comes, he comes. If he doesn't, um, I don't. I, I won't be crying about it. Fair enough, fair enough. And yeah, I, I do feel like you did do a decent job in terms of, um, you know, sweeping up a lot of the, the danger that um, Croatia were trying to make. And yeah, I do think that was a fair and honest um, um opinion. Um, Bazi, I'm going to ask you, um because we, we did also see in that game, you know, the omission of Chilwa and Reese James. You know, Mount did play a good and solid game. You know, he had a couple bits here and there. You know, you, you know what you're going to get from Mason at this point, you know, a, a lovely, solid performance. But seeing um, a trippy year playing at left back and... um. Kyle Walker, who had a stinker playing a right-back, you know, it, it did leave a lot of people's heads scratching as to why Southgate didn't even pick up a Luke Shaw over a Trippi. I just want to get your opinion on um, the omission of those two. Uh, yeah, I definitely thought we'd see uh, one, if not both of them. I think maybe that's a Chelsea fan probably slant to, to think our guys deserve to be the ones in there. But arguably, they also do for England. Um, I certainly would have thought it was Shaw who would take the spot from Chilwell, if not Chilwell. Um, yeah, I think Walker didn't exactly do himself any favors, so maybe Reese is in next time. I think maybe because it was Croatia who were, if not a super talented side, a pretty savvy side with some very good players um, that he thought maybe either experience or you know pedigree was kind of the way to go for that game. And now maybe we'll see a little bit more relaxed um, system, maybe a little more open with Chilwell and, and Reese. Um, 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't think anyone ever really knows what Southgate is fully thinking with some of his, some of his selections. Um, I think there's always room for complaints in his, in his team selection. So I guess it's not fully surprising, but I do think maybe the opponent played into it. Um, and I think Reese probably Chilwell. There's other good options on that side. I'm not, I'm not as surprised if he doesn't play. Um, I increasingly think Reese should, should get time there. Um, uh, I think he's the most balanced option in the squad they have uh, as far as going forward and playing solid defense. Um, so I would like to see him next time. And I, I suspect there will be uh, a change at, uh, at least for the next game. Um, I don't think that's like his locked in 11. I think he's kind of always experimented during the, the, the lead up and the friendlies and every other you know opportunity he's gotten. Um, he's kind of trying out everybody in those positions and, I don't think he's quite still experimenting in um, in the, the actual tournaments here, but I do think he's going to kind of try people in different in different games and, and kind of see what he gets as the actual tournament is here. So I expect Reese uh, at least, if not both of them, to be back in the lineup, uh, if not next game, the, you know, the game after. But uh, maybe it's just the opposition. I don't think we will we will ever know. Yeah, I do agree, and I mean, to most of you. Will I complain if those two get a rest after the long season they had? Not particularly, but will it be nice, you know, having Bracken Wright, you know, having them three Chelsea players starting? Of course it will be. And yeah. Isn't, that, we... isn't that what it's all about? Exactly. Is that <laughs> not what football is all about? Bragging rights. Tim, so do you have any thoughts on, on, on what we just mentioned earlier, just now? I just think it's hilarious that um, most people, especially after Trent dropped out, um, most people who weren't Chelsea fans... Um, their first choice was Carl Walker. And if you looked on the timeline that day, um, Simon Phillips said himself, like he dropped an absolute disaster class. Uh, Kieran Trippier at, right, at left back was very, very confusing to me, especially if you want to take out Chilwell, you still have Luke Shaw, but I can understand why Luke Shaw's not in the squad because Southgate has rewarded him with a place in the squad because he's played uh, really well for United. But ultimately, he's come out of the international wilderness after several years when he was meant to be the left back to replace Ashley Cole and hold down that left-hand spot for for 10 years and then dropping in Saka at left back after having... Um, some of the best form of his career so far uh, as a wingback in such a, such a crucial opening game. Um, it kind of makes sense when you break it down like that amongst the, the candidates. But um, I think now for the next game, I hope to see Chilwell um, just to do a job and take advantage of the gaps that um, Andy Robertson might leave when he's, when he's pushing on. Um, and Reese James, uh, I think just off the strength of that, Carl Walker performance. Reese James shows that um, he's better defensively. He probably gives you more. Um, he gives. He probably gives you more um, offensively as well with his delivery and um, his ability to adapt to whether it's playing on the counter or in possession. So, uh, yeah, obviously, I want to see Chelsea um, infiltrating the England squad and kind of dominating in terms of numbers. But I'm not going to complain that. Um, crucial players for us this season and probably next are getting rested same way I kind of looked at it on the bright side that Callum Hudson-Odoi didn't uh, have uh, under 21's knockout stage because England didn't make it through he got he has that extra rest and he gets that love in Ghana yeah you, you do love to see it and you know let's closing out of them a lot a lot before we close out on the last um three um choice players that did play i just want to have a, a quick discussion um you know about the, the last game that we just saw you know um denmark versus belgium you know we, we saw three former chelsea players you know 
literally tear it up in that in that second half. You know, you no, saw Lukaku. Oh, man, I, I'm sorry, but you saw Lukaku with his, with his marauding runs, KDB with his, with his explicit um, decision-making and, and dribbling and passing. You know, you, saw, you even saw a glimpse of, of, of a crocked hazard, you know, with, with his flair. And I just want to get you guys' opinions on um, not just um, obviously what could have been, but just uh, just seeing Belgium uh, as a whole and, and just how they've managed to play this season with our three former players. Um, that side was kind of my uh, my adopted you know second or third team there uh, for for um, international competition just because we had so many of their best players at one period. Um, mm. Oh my gosh, I even forgot Courtois and goal. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think Martinez adds some decent things to a team he manages, but I don't think his uh, I don't think his his cohesive plan for the entire team is always that that great like I uh they seemed a little a little bit lost until they're they're kind of magic players subbed on um and the Denmark team was playing with a, with like a real passion and, and they were playing really well uh, on top of it um so between their work rate and their execution they were tough opposition but Belgium who even without Hazard and De Bruyne on the fields should have been the easily more talented side were kind of looking pretty lost and and Denmark was taking the game to them um so tactically, I'm not sure Martinez. I mean, we've seen it in some of his his uh, the Premier League teams he's managed. Um, the the cohesive plan is not always really there uh, from from a possession and attacking perspective. If they can't if they can't like dominate the ball and just kind of do their thing, then they kind of look a little lost. Um, as far as the actual players who played, yeah, Lukaku. He's gotten a lot of discussion because he was somewhat briefly linked with us before he said he wants to stay at Inter, and that kind of quashed that. Um, and so that was a lot of debate in that period about how good he is, if he's gotten better since his, his Premier League days, um, if his touch is really as bad as people say. Um, I think you can watch this game, and you might have seen an example or two of, of him miscontrol the ball. I mean, what striker doesn't? But um, there was also a ton of times where he was linking play. He was running wide with the ball. He was playing it back. Uh, he he didn't get an official assist on um, the Thorgan Hazard goal, but he set it up really nicely. Um so I think he's a complete player now, and we would have been probably pretty pretty fortunate to, to get him if he did want to leave Inter. Um, De Bruyne's De Bruyne. I don't think we all know what what kind of magic he brings. He's good at basically everything. Um, Hazard. What could have uh, been, he, man? What could have been? A, yeah, so it kills me. And then add Salah on top of it. But we don't have to talk about that. I can't wait till all those guys are retired so we can just – that can stop being like a, a monthly occurrence where we have to talk about how sad it is we let them all go. Um and then Eden actually looked better than he has in probably years. A uh, little rusty still, but he came on and he uh, he set up um, De Bruyne's goal. He looked just kind of a little bit more like himself, a little more free, uh, playing some nice flicks and passes. So that was that was good to see. I'll, I'll obviously always always have a, a soft spot for him, even if um, even if he's no longer with us. So yeah, it's just they're they're a really talented side. I think they could use a little more cohesion. I don't think their their central midfielders or center backs are as good as someone like France, but they do still have those kind of key difference makers anyway, mostly in attack. Uh, who who you never know. So if they play if they play solidly defensively as a team and then kind of let those guys do their thing, um, they could they could always go far. They they were really impressive uh, last time out. So uh, maybe they'll they'll do a redux of that. Mm. And Tim, so I was going to get your quick opinion on that because you know we were linked with um, a Lukaku, and that's what I don't think I've actually heard your opinion on how Lukaku would fit in at Chelsea and if he'd won him. All right, so there was a joke doing the rounds today, um, saying that um, 
he needs someone to do the pick and roll with. He's not a post-up guy uh, to use basketball terms. And I did say, I did have these reservations about Lukaku because a lot of what we're seeing from him in the Italian league comes in um, playing as a duo uh, with Latoro Martinez. And um, obviously we saw it in the first game uh, in the, of, we saw it in match day one of the Euros, but um I did have those. I did question whether um, a lot of what we're seeing in terms of the good and the development comes from a system change as well as obviously just natural growth. Um, I was a big fan of Lukaku. I thought that was our drop replacement then and there, but um, he's had to leave to become the guy that um, we wanted. And sometimes that doesn't always work out as well. I've um, like to use an example, Yassine Adli is a French midfielder who was super creative, one of PSG's um, wonder kids, um, currently running out. He was running out of his contract and um, Arsenal were really, really heavy because um, obviously Arsenal tried to sign every good young talent, but they never managed to. Um, he decided to sign for PSG as an extension and um, yeah, he never got used and he's now at Bordeaux, not really exciting anyone. So it kind of works two ways in the sense that sometimes uh, the player goes on to make you regret the decision. Other times um, they almost vindicate your decision to um, let them go uh, because they haven't become the player that uh, their early potential might have led you to believe. So with Lukaku, I've, I've got love for him, but um, I'll still have reservations about him coming back to the Premier League and playing as that lone striker. Uh, obviously, KDB was going to shine irrespective because his talent was so great. When Lampard retired and he started the first game of the following season and he got an assist, I thought, yes, this is our man. Um, literally, as soon as he went back to Germany, he literally, I think he won um, player of the season and he just went and he just carried on his massive trajectory. So uh, that's definitely an L on our part on and whoever kind of instigated and facilitated um, that talent leaving the club. Uh, Courtois, obviously, we knew about Courtois and um, I'm just thankful we had Eden at the club. Yeah, man, that, that is a really good way to, um, to to wrap up in general. And, you know, if let, let, now to look at the last game, you know, on one side, you know, we had um, some of our favourites, you know, Kai Havertz and um, Rudiger. And the other half, we had another one of our favourites, you know, in Kante. And... Pairing up with Ingolo County was poor Pogba. And, and we all know and when those two link up, they don't lose a game. And well, that what's that now? 28 games, 22 wins. The, those two are seeming to be the those two are seeming to be cash money to, to say the least. I don't know about you guys, but yeah, that, that game was, I don't know. I feel like the game was a bit underwhelming on Germany's part. And I do feel that the Kai didn't exactly have the best of games. You know, he didn't look up to pace immediately, but he was able to go into the game a bit, a bit more, but he did have to be subbed off. Rudiger did have a bit of an, a, a bit of a weird moment, you know, nearing the, um, the first sub half and halfway mark, where he appeared to him uh, by um, Pogba. I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I don't want to say, but <laughs> it did seem as though he gave him a bit of a nibble. And yeah, um, what can I say? And Golo Kante have another one of his standard world class performances. Guys, what are your opinions? I'm going to start with you, Buzzy. Um, yeah, I think you you pretty much said it there. They are, uh, especially Pogba, since, I mean, any United fan will probably tell you their frustration seeing that Pogba versus the one who plays for them uh, a lot of the time as good as he's been in some some games for them. Um, that that looks like the true the true Pogba when he's, on, when he's unlocked with Conte. I don't know if that's just a tactics thing or a personal option uh, as far as who United has to pair with him, but um, 
you can see how deadly they are together. I do think that France didn't control the ball, but they still controlled the, the game. Like Germany looked a couple chances, I guess. There were there were some close calls. They they went forward and, and kind of wasted it. But more often than not, they just kind of uh, their attacks petered out and and France didn't look too bothered. Um, even if they didn't have the majority of the possession and Conte, anytime they, they kind of broke dangerously or as we're used to seeing for Chelsea, anytime there was a loose ball in the opposition third, he was just kind of on it, won it back, recycled it. Um, and France won again. So they could have, they, they could have scored more even. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that team is, that team is, that team is just, <laughs> that team is just the favorite for a reason is I guess I'll leave it there. Yeah. It, it is a scary sign. And it, it is coming to a point whereby, you, you do wonder when are those two actually going to lose a game? Timpson, what, what are your thoughts on them? How are Chelsea boys performed there? Oh, uh, let's talk about obviously the, the victors, um, Angola Kante. And it's interesting because I feel like we're getting a glimpse to see Kante in a few years' time, uh, in a couple of years' time. Uh, whilst he's more reserved with his running, he picks and chooses when to go and um, seek and destroy. And he focuses more on his ability to read the game and make um, smart interceptions and um, place position himself in the right space in the right time and give the back full cover. Because I think uh, that's more he needs to, as his legs start to uh, fail him when he gets... Uh, into the latter stages of his career, he'll need to fully look at uh, a Claude Makélélé as a role model for adapting himself, like the best players do when um, their physical their, their physical peak passes them. With Kai, um, I just Kai's performance is um, is a symptom of the disease, which is the German national team being in complete disarray. They don't have a system that they're playing a system that doesn't suit them, and the players have come out and said we prefer to play in, with a back four. Um, really and truly, you look and it's really only Rudiger who's benefited from that, largely because of obviously um, being used to it at club level. For me, they need to go to a 4-2-3-1, get Joshua Kimmich, who they've had to play at right wing back when he's mm-hmm. probably their best midfielder, get him into a double pivot with someone. And then you need to make a decision whether um, either you try and you try Muller in the 10, where he actually, where he actually plays, um, or you you just decide him and Kai Havertz can't coexist in the same squad because they're, but they're missing some key personnel because Emre Chan um, was someone that they considered that centre back before they pulled back Mats Hummels, and um, really and truly they've had to play Joshua Kimmich at um, at wing back because they don't have a true right back. So I would look to the under 21s and there's a player called Ridley Baku who played right back, even though he's pretty much exactly. a centre midfielder. Um, but as someone, as someone to add, as, as someone to just um, offers more at right back than a lot of the other players that have, that frees up Joshua Kimmich. Um, I would, I, I would, I would definitely look at that, especially next year. And then if Muller is too old or he can't fit, you prioritize Kai Havertz, and then maybe that gives you the opportunity to bring through uh, Jamal Musiala or whoever else can be that creative focal point. Going back to France now. Um, that duo, that record, the fact that Kante is the key to unlock a Pogba is so is so interesting. Um, and this is a Pog, and this is a Kante who has to res- who has to kind of somewhat reserve himself um, and provide that defensive cover. France as a whole are so scary to watch because um, people say they're not as exciting as they should be given the attacking talent. But um, it's tournament 
football and mm-hmm. one goal can decide your fate it doesn't you can look at the on the France on the 21s who were um equally as stacked on paper but um they were killed on the counter Deschamps has probably seen that and the fact that he's um he's defensive minded he will never give give his opponents the opposition the opportunity to break on him and um show those defensive vulnerabilities so he's got um Teo Hernandez, who's one of the best left backs at his disposal in Europe, um, in especially on the offensive end, he's like, no, I'm going to play his brother, who's a centre back, and play him as and play him as a full back, so I have that defensive solidarity, regardless of uh, if we get caught at the back. But as for the Chelsea performances, loved seeing Kante um, kind of show more dimensions of his of, of his play by sitting a bit deeper. Kai, he's just unlucky because he's playing in a Germany squad that is just an absolute mess and needs to be blown up after the Euros uh, and put back together quickly prior to the World Cup. And Timo is Timo. <laughs> oh my god, I, I completely forgot about Timo. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, yeah. Even, I didn't even touch on Germany. Um, I, I just yeah completely agreed. I think I think they kept uh, Yogi Love on a little too too long. Way think, too long, man. You I, know we, you know he's going after this, and he's been out of ideas for this squad. I think for, for a long years. time. And, it, and it's, I, it, what you think about it, like, he's been there since two thousand six. Yeah, like that's you very knew, rare you knew for this a was, manager. Yeah, like if you're gonna if he's gonna go, and the results haven't been there recently, like I feel like you would have just done yourself a favor with a reset leading into Euros. I know they probably wanted to see if the guy that, that, that has won it for them you know, gotten, uh, has one more in him and go with the experience and not, not, you know, blow it up before tournament. But I honestly feel like they would have been, would have been better served. Havertz really was, you know, you, uh, you could put some blame on, get blame on the player, I guess people do. Cause they were, they were watching that game, uh, you know, to pounce on him. Some people, um, you can look at a player in a game like that and what's he, you know, what's he supposed to do really, especially someone who's playing up top. Um, you you really kind of are at the the hest of your your team and what what your actual tactics are and um, that team just didn't they didn't really have any um, they're just they're just a mess as Timson said so yeah it's a it's a bit of a shame because he's kind of the one you know one of the young stars we'd love to see just blow up and have a great have a great tournament but um, I don't think that's going to happen in this team um, it's unfortunate and I think also what Timson said about France. Uh, I completely agree. You see people, so many people complain about um, the way they play and how they're not more exciting with uh, with the talent they have. And I completely just think that's just a naive way to play international football. These teams don't get a full season year in, year out to practice these, uh, you know, more free-flowing, complicated attacking styles. And it's knockout football. Um, when the margins are that thin and you know you have the talent, it's similar to the way that – the great all-time Spanish team won all those tournaments. They just kept the ball. It wasn't always the most fun to watch. It was very impressive, but it wasn't, wasn't you know, beautiful, flowing, attacking play, scoring a lot of goals. It was, let's get one, close up shot. Maybe we get two, uh, keep possession, play safe. We'll overwhelm them with, with possession and, and uh, our just player caliber and not losing the ball much, making the right decisions, being clinical, and that's that. If you win 1-0 and you go all the way and you win the tournament, I don't think uh, people should should be too bothered by how you did it. Now, if they're playing like that and they also stink and can't get results, then I mean that's just that's when the manager goes. But uh, that's not what we've seen out of France. They they obviously win. So um, yeah, I, I think that's kind of a. I know it's not exciting. I know you want to see Mbappe and Griezmann doing one twos up the field constantly and all these fast counters and and um, you know, these free flowing attacks and things. But uh, that's that's probably not the smartest way to play it. So. 
Uh, I think they're going to go far because they're pragmatic and they're talented. Massively agreed, massively agreed. And that, that is what tournament football is, is about its pragmatism. You know, we, we see it in the Champions League, you see in the in the Europa League, you see in the Euros, even the World Cup, you know, it's all about game management. And it's not just always about getting your best players on the field. Sometimes you've got to really go in there with a, with a game plan to minimise risks and exploit your opponent's weaknesses. And yeah, just to wrap up the, um, that, so that, yeah, that's wrapping up the, that main part of the podcast. And we're going to be going over to the listeners' questioners. Um, shout out to Discord listeners, you know, Discord, um, Discord users, you guys, you know, there's a bubbling community over there. You know, Buzzy, you know, <laughs> you could probably attest to it more, more just as much as I can, just how, just how excited it is on a, on a day-to-day basis. You know, you've got the courtside um, segment, you've got, you even got F1 now, guys, oh, yeah. pit stop fracas, like, I, 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 I've never, I've never really been an F1 fan, but these guys are really starting to roll me in right now. Yeah, if you're listening and you are not part of the Discord, uh, join up. It's free and easy. Discord is also great for uh, anything. If you, you and your friends want to just get on there and shoot the shit on voice chat or stream your gameplay to each other, Discord's great, and this is a good uh, outlet to talk to people. I will say the Chessy chat in particular holds it down for the Discord. It is always popping in there. Um, people talk all the time and. Uh, there's a lot of good, a lot of good banter and stuff. Um, shout out to uh, to everybody in that in that channel. Come join us. Um, and now we'll read some of your questions. Thank you for that, Buzzy. And yeah, so the f- first question from probably one of um, one of our favorites, Sam the Hokage. He asks, um, any players you guys have in the Euros? And I mean, you know, you're, you're asking me this question. I mean, we we all know who I'm going to mention. You know, uh, Alexander Isaac. You know, he had a, he had an amazing performance against Spain. You know, I don't think he was um. He didn't really get to the game pretty pre early on in, in the fact that they, they were pressing quite headlessly. But the moment he, re- he was able to get in the ball, you really did be able to, you really were able to see his quality. You know, his good touch, his vision, his uh, his choice of pass. I thought he had a really good and promising um, um, performance. And I feel like that is the kind of player that I'd like at Chelsea. Uh, as a striker, you know, he's got a good eye for goal. You know, he broke um, Slatsny Pavlovich's record, you know, this season. And he's also the young player of the of the of the of the um, of the year, the Liga. I'm gonna um, open the floor to you guys. You know, what players have you guys seen um, during the Euros that um, have impressed you? And I mean, you know, this is a Chelsea um, podcast. And who who of those would you want to see at the club? Tim, I'm gonna start with you. Cool, like you, obviously, um, Alexander Isaac. I call him AI just because I just feel feel like he's so silky, um, reminiscent of the point guard. Um, Adam Plozic from Czech Republic is someone that uh, I wanted to have my eye on. He came on for a short cameo during the Scotland game and he showed his ability not only out wide, um, got to showcase his feet, his footwork and um, adaptability. A player that we probably won't see much of because um, Portugal just um, are so stacked is probably Nuno Mendes, um, someone who was recently promoted from that under 21s, won the, won the league with sport in Lisbon and Portugal, um, links with um, Manchester United and top teams as a left back. He's someone I would give the title of box office to. Um, he's definitely someone I like the look of. Um, those are the probably the, the the ones that spring to mind at the moment. But you know me, if there's under twenty three talent, um, I'm 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 there to watch and and I'm locked in. Really, yeah, re- really, really well put there. You know, you Nuno Mendes does seem to be a pretty hot commodity right now. He's linked to Man City, it does seem. Um, so well, we probably will potentially be seeing him in the Prem anytime soon. And Buzz, I'm going to extend the question to you. Have you seen any players that you've been impressed with them in, in, in this current Euro campaign? 
Um, yeah, I didn't come in, I guess, with my eye on anybody in particular. I'm more just watching, watching matches and seeing who, uh, who impresses. I think Locatelli, we've discussed, was somebody uh, who plays in a position that I kind of have had my, my eye on as a potential problem area. Um, so we've talked about those pros and cons for him. I do wish, I do wish we saw, you know, um, I wish Norway made the tournament so we could, we could get uh, a look at Holland um, in and maybe a team that's not as talented and see kind of, uh, kind of judge the concerns of uh, what a lot of fans say about, about him as far as create, you know, if, if, if there's not people creating goals on a platter for him, seeing kind of what, um, what he can do in a game, how's his link up play. So it's a bit of a shame where, we're missing out um, on more of that because obviously his Dortmund team has a lot of talent, like Sancho and some other players who uh, make it make it a bit easier. Now that he's not that he's not still still really good on his own, I just would have liked to see that. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I'm blanking a little bit to be honest. Um, I'm watching kind of players, I guess, more so who we've been linked to or are potentially linked to more closely. So watching, as we discussed, also Rice's performances for England and kind of mm, some pros and cons there. Um, we mentioned also Lukaku in a way that was like, well, this isn't going to happen now, but I am seeing some things that both give me a little concern and make me think he would have actually been a hit for us. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm blanking on, on any other uh, players I've, I've picked up on yesterday. No worries. Um, no worries. That is, that's a good way to put it, I mean, to be fair, because, you know, we, we have seen him, um, and I can't really think of any um, a really a blockbuster examples of a, a player going up from an international tournament move into a club and, and set the world alight. You know, the, the one that really does set um, set, um, set the turn for me was um, Kalo Navas, you know, joining Real Madrid. He was a good signing. Meza Ozil, you know, he, he was decent for Arsenal. I didn't really think he he, he upped his level, but mm-hmm. he was a solid um, signing. So I do think it is quite a rare thing to see a player moving from a tournament and um, impress at a club. So maybe that is something that Chelsea have to um, look out for. Um, next question from um, Miles. Um, which Chelsea players are you expecting the most from at the Euros? So I'm guessing he's probably meaning in terms of um, performance. Like, what what player do you think is going to? Um, what player do you think Ambazi is going to perform the best during this campaign? Hmm. Hmm. Well, Conte is a kind of slam dunk answer, I suppose. Um, <laughs> he's our best player. He's arguably France's best player, second best player, depending. Um, so. Uh, that's that's an easy answer, I guess. If we're gonna say Conte aside, um, maybe someone younger like uh, like Christensen or Mount. Um, I don't expect the most from Mount, maybe, but I would love to see a Mount who who does well in attack for England. I think that would be uh, would be a great thing to see as far as actual end products, um, because that's the big sort of criticism. Um, so if he if he put on a show that would be that would be great, but uh, it's not necessarily that's not necessarily what I would pick as my biggest expectation because I wasn't even sure he would start all the time. Um, so I think Conte is the obvious easy answer here. So I guess I'll I guess I'll take that. Yeah, some would say that it is an opportunity for him to you know really wear that Ballon d'Or um, for, for for next year. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so next question from from Jess, Jesse Knight. I mean, you asked quite interesting question, and I want to get your quick opinion on this too. So. Um, just a deep dive on our centre back centre back options. You know, we, we do seem to have quite a, um quite a, a, a large array of promising options. Not just um the senior options from you know Thiago Silva, who's extended this season, or Rudiger, you know, who's really set set the set um set it alight. You know, coming under um a two a two show. You know, we've also got um, a couple of other young young centre backs, and I guess he wanted to get your opinion on um what what you think of our centre backs and how do you think what how do you think in your opinion would, would be best going forward. 
in terms of in terms of maneuvering with them. I'm personally excited by um, two uh, two play- well three players really. Mark Gurhi, he's shown that um, for the last eighteen months or so, he's been um, undisputedly the best centre back in the championship. Um, he's very much ready for Premier League football, whether that's at the first team or um, elsewhere in the Premier League. So he's very exciting. Uh, then you have Levi Colwell, who's just a classy ball-playing midfielder who loves... Big fan. Uh, and he's a lefty as well. Who's a lefty. And um, I've heard from credible sources that um, he's been... Not only has he been training with um, the first team for um, quite some time, he's actually um, was getting picked on. Not even picked on, but just tested by one of the senior centre-backs. And um, he basically bodied this centre-back and put him on the floor multiple times to the point where he was like, OK, I should stop bullying this guy. Um, and if And you'd be shocked if you found out who allegedly it was um then you i'll give you a hint hustle um <laughs> i had a feeling then um you have um xavier mbiamba who just looks like he's in that kind of um jay-z i'm creating an album so i'm not going to cut my hair whilst i'm making it kind of face with his training so he's grown his hair out he's got all the abs showing in his topless pictures doing running running up stadium stairs he just looks like he's ready to do a madness and from a raw kind of physical specimen perspective he's got the height um he doesn't seem like he's slow on the turn which is what you associate with tall center backs as well um but and he's also got that composure playing in la masia and obviously Holland where it's the home of total football so really really interesting um, and quality mix that we have now I would probably say a centre-back is probably the last thing we need it should be at this point in time until we purely have academy defenders on our books or there's no um, academy centre-back talents coming through it should be if it's one out it should be one in from the academy getting an opportunity Um, probably Gerhi first then depending on um, who Tuchel likes, maybe Levi Colville or, yeah, he's probably in there because he's been training with the first team, then Mbiamba, but um, Mbiamba saying this is the season that I'm um, getting in that first team and and, and showing what I can do uh, after all the injuries he's had. So um, I'd probably, yeah, one in, one out in terms of centre-back. So if it's Thiago Silva leaving the season after next, and um, Kurt Zuma moving on, or Andreas Christensen being out of contract, or Rudiger just deciding, you know what, the disrespect is too much I can't forget I'm going to leave we should be looking to fill those spots in-house before we start um, looking at a Max Anstokra or uh, Loic Badi or um, whoever else we've been linked to in the in, in the in the news recently I do feel that's a really good um, way to um, to wrap that one up and I guess we are probably going to do a, a, pick, a patient piece you know looking really deep into the squad you know looking into the academy as well you know, not, not a lot of people aren't, you know, as well clued up as a, as you would be, Tim, in, in regards to youth football. So that would probably be a really, be a really interesting piece for, for, our, for our Patreon listeners to, um, to have to listen to. Uh, um, I have the, just quickly the same perspective on a centre-back. I was very surprised to see that was even one of our top, it was one of our top two, according to the early uh, transfer reports, uh, positions to target, which I just didn't, I didn't really understand. And a couple of those links went around for a few days. And now centre-backs being talked about a bit less, but I think, I think that's the fifth, sixth position we need to buy. I don't think we should. I don't think we should even be looking there with the options we have, especially if Bruce James is going to uh, stick at the in the back three. Um, that would seem 
just like a strange waste of money to me to go after someone like that. If we're going to extend Silva, have all the players we have as options, uh, please don't buy a center back this window. <laughs> that that is a good way to round up as well as well. And um, an- another question um coming in, um thoughts on reshaves being utilized as a DM if we do indeed um land Hakimi. If so, could Reece James's versatility as a right wing back, centre back, and DM be detrimental to his to his long term as opposed to specialising one um, in one fixed position and um, development as a player? Timson, I'm going to get your quick opinion on that. I really think you shouldn't ask me about DMs because any questions regarding the holding midfield position is just going to turn into a Trevor Chalaba plug anyway. But um, any mention um, with Reese. I feel like he's one of those players who um, has the technique and ability to play in a mid, in, in a more advanced role beyond um, a defender. So you look at obviously the greats, like we're talking about Philip Lahm, um, Joshua Kimmich, who made that transition. Um, but I think based on the needs of Chelsea Football Club, he's best he's best served as a right back. If it was at a different club, I could very much see that transition being made permanent. But um, he's someone that we can effort we can seamlessly drop into that position, and he'll always do a job for us. But because of the needs of the club that he's at, which is Chelsea Football Club, where we're we're at a surplus for midfielders at the, at this point in time, even like the deeper sitting midfielders. Um, I think he he's going to end up just being a right back at this point in time um, until maybe there's an exodus or just there's a plague that wipes out all of our um, midfield options. But I don't see that happening anytime soon. Yeah, thankfully so. Um, Buzzy, what are your thoughts on Rishi as being utilised as a DM? Um, I'm not. I, I think he probably could. He probably could pull it off for the reasons Simpson said. I'm not the biggest fan of the solution. I know he's he's done it um, in in spurts, um, not for Chelsea. Um, but it's not my it's not my sort of favorite solution, nor is it where I think we're maybe going to get the best out of him. Um, I just I don't like it feels it feels like pigeonholing just because people have seen it uh, done. It feels a little bit like um, square, you know, square hole round peg type thing. I don't think um, I don't I think between his pace, his crossing ability and other attributes he has, especially just like his sort of intelligence to cover that flank. Um, either I want him as a, as a right-sided center back or a wing back. Um, he probably could do a job uh, between his build and his, his physical attributes. I think he, he would be decent there, but um, it's not where I prioritize him, nor do I think uh, it's something we should, we should like squad plan around. I think if it's, if it's a coverage thing or something to experiment with sometimes, maybe he can play there sometimes, but it's just not what I would like look to do or plan my squad um, sort of around that that idea I just think when a player hasn't been brought up and played there and um, that's not where he's known to be his best kind of like the question asked about uh, hurting his sort of specialization Um, also I think playing a player like that who can if you have it in your mind that they can play these other positions they maybe don't get as much playing time in a weird way as you think they might because you you keep backburnering them almost for uh, it's like well we can you know, we can play this, we can put this player here if we need them. We can, we can play him at center back if we need him. We can play him at DM if we need him. And all of a sudden it's, you justify not starting him a couple times at wing back. You justify not playing him a couple times at DM. Um, but he's like, well, he's an option. And that's suddenly how you, you actually end up benched because your versatility almost works against you uh, in the sense that you don't get picked as the starter for the spots and you only occasionally play some of them. Um, and I think Reese is too good to have that happen to him. So I, 
I'm not I'm not a huge fan of of people bringing that up as like an actual uh, like squad planning plan. I think it might happen, but I don't think we should we should plan around it. Yeah, I'm definitely with you on that one. I, I do think as though, you know, right back does seem to be the position. And speaking of right backs, you know, our next Joe from our next question from Man Like Joe, you know, popping in the, in the Discord community, you know, another another big um cobble night. Um he asked, um, if we move to a four at the back system, what differences are we expecting in the way that we play on the, a, a two call with the set of players we currently have coupled with who we're potentially bringing in? Um to caveat that question, I'm gonna say, you know, let's 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 imagine we bring in a Hakimi. Well, how do you think we we sub in, in a four at the back if we were to um, transition that under under a two call? I'm going to start off with you, Timson. So, if we bring in Hakimi and then we move to a back four, is that the question? Yeah. So, I mean, to Joe wants to know what what um, changes and differences are you expecting from a um, two call and a four at the back system here at Chelsea? Um. First of all, shout out to man like Joe, uh, top member of the Discord. Um, if he does bring in Hakimi, then he's definitely going for um, uh, a more attacking. He definitely wants both his fullbacks to be very attack-minded, but also have um, the tactical discipline um, for those bigger games. So that's a hundred percent clear. Um, the pursuit for a striker, uh, if it's a Haaland or a Lukaku or uh, whoever else it is, it's um, it's clear he wants to play with a focal point uh, to maybe um, bring in to utilize the um, wide area, the wide the wide players that we have at our disposal, um, and also obviously just f- put the ball in the back of the net. So I think those will be the biggest changes. Um, and from that, we need to make a decision and it'll be interesting to see if he does go with a focal point. What does that mean for Kai? Because obviously Kai needs to play. And if, um, so does he Does he play Kai as um, in a midfield three along with Mason Mount? But then do you want to play Kante as a, as a DM or do you alternate playing Kai as a right, mid, as a right winger with um Jorginho maybe as as um, as the deepest midfielder, um, Kante doing his seek and destroy thing, Mount being Mount, um, and then you alternate uh, when Haaland's not there or centre forward's not there, you play him as a false nine. Um, I'm not sure. I think um, he's given himself what we'll see um, is possibilities and um, yeah, different. We'll see different solutions for different games because that's the kind of manager Tuchel is. But um, to answer Joe's question, I think um, it's hard to say, but I definitely think we'll see kind of we'll see a lot of unexpected lineups um, if he does get the players that he wants. Yeah, um, just before I pass on to, to Buzzy, I'm just going to hearken on to um, um, Tuchel's um, Dortmund team, and it does have a quite quite a couple of um, similarities in the fact that you've got. Um, a natural winger, you know, an Usman Dembele, similar to a Chow, you know, who's going to hug the touchline. You also have, you know, a, a more natural inside forward in like a Timo Werner, or if you were to play, you know, play um, Kai on the right, you would want to play him as a, as an inside forward over there. And with that, that would allow a Hakimi, a right back for assist to be able to overlap him and allow Kai to, um, to really make his um, impact be known um, in and around the penalty box, because that's where he's best at, you know. And um, I do think that there could be a couple of similarities in terms of the aspect of Vigo, similar to Jorginho. You know, he's going to control the get, going to control the game. But I guess that's where the real um, question comes into the midfield. You know, like do, do you go over in Golo Kante and um, and a Mason Mount with, with Jorginho? How how does that work? You know, I do think it could be a midfield that would work really really well. You know, you've got you've got really good and strong runners there in Mason Mount and um, 
and um, N'Golo Kante. And I do feel it does add a good dynamic, but is there enough creativity in the midfield? That's the other side of the of the equation. And that is a big part of um, what Buzzy mentioned um, earlier when you were to look at uh, Locatelli in comparison to a Jorginho. And I guess that may be where Hakimi does come in, you know, as a rewarding and fullback, just getting in as as an as an as a fourth attacker. But I guess it will be interesting to see um how Tuchel potentially does it. Um, do I think it needs to be done in terms of changing it, changing from forward to back? Um, no. Do I think it will be good to be done? I, I think it will be good to have it as as um as a bit of a contingency plan because you never know what happens within football. You know, if you do lose one player, it does really, really do. It does really affect your your system. You know, like if you lose an Nicolo Kante in the system, it, it changes how things are. You know, like as much as I do think Jorginho and Kovacic do do a good role, I feel like N'Golo Kante as that second forward, there's literally nobody that's that's touching him. I'm gonna I'm gonna pass it back on to you now, Buzzy, and Justin has your opinions on the forward back system and how you think Tuchel could bring it in here at Chelsea. Yeah, so this is a uh, this is a answer that could be probably a whole podcast, honestly, um, because there are a surprising number of knock-on effects to bringing in Hakimi alone, um, and I think one of the obvious ones is is what this question points to is that what happens if you switch to a four at the back? Um, Reese suddenly can't be one of the three center backs. Do we think he's a good enough natural center back to be one in a two? Um, probably not. I mean, maybe, but we haven't seen it. And it seems like that kind of, again, wastes his sort of uh, ability to control the space and behind the wing back and the, the right flank um, and his ability to push up and get across. And now he has two other center back partners. Um, so I think on that front alone, it's a really complicated thing really quickly. Uh, if you're buying someone like Hikimi, then you expect him to play the fullback position because he costs all that money. Then what happens to Reese James? Not to mention that Hikimi isn't as good as a pure fullback as Reese James would be. He is frankly, an average to below average defender. Um, and that's in Serie A that we've mostly seen in, in Germany. So in the, in the Premier League, it might be even more difficult for him um, to actually be just a pure fullback and have to do a bit more defensive work. So I am wary of of doing that and then switching. And then all of a sudden, you're left with a player who doesn't actually defend all that well in that natural position. Um, and unlike Reese can't shift to a center back, you don't have that option. So um, there's also knock-on effects up the field if you think we play forward the back. Okay, so then... Very quickly, uh, somebody somebody or two misses out up front who you think should play. Um, you can't if you if you run a four three three. Maybe you play Mount Conte Jorginho. Cool. Then you have either Hudson Odoi, Ziyech Pulisic as the wingers, and then you have either Holland or Timo uh, up front. Where does Havertz play? Okay, I'm Holland. Your your friend, not another name now. I'm just I'm just putting it out there theoretically because that's another that's another one. So if it's whoever our natural striker is, then all of a sudden either Mount or Havertz uh, isn't mm, in the team, and then yeah. Havertz has to play the deep central midfielder role, which a lot of people thought wasted him under Lampard. Um, and then if we do play with more of a ten and a four two three one, then we a lot of people also don't think Mount is that good at that uh, as the pure ten creative player, which is fair because that's not quite his game as far as creativity um maybe Havertz is better there he can pass the ball and he gets on the end of chances and could score a bit more um but then again Mount who a lot of people deem necessary to this Tuchel team uh isn't playing um some may be fine with that some might not be fine with that um so very quickly you find just because you shift you know the number of defenders you very quickly find people out of the team who uh depending on personal opinion need to be in the team obviously the big factor here is Tuchel's opinions of these players. And I think he rates them all generally, but at the end of the day, if you're picking a formation like that and you have to make a choice, you can only play one striker. You can't play two attacking midfielders. Um, One or two players who are probably starting caliber or at least some portion of fans would like to see start 
um, are missing out. Uh, and I don't think I don't think a lot of the names we have would be would be happy just not being regular starters. So I think four at the back could could definitely help. We've talked about this on a podcast a long time ago. Could um, help sort of unlock our attack. You could argue that that seems completely unnecessary when we just won the Champions League and Tuchel had such a good run uh, with this current system to change it up. Um, some might say don't change it for no reason. I think people who have watched us closely would say there is a reason, and it's that we don't necessarily create enough quality chances. We don't have enough players up front creating and making chances, and um, we need to kind of adjust that long term. And I think there's some truth to that because we've seen plenty of games where we just can't get the final pass right, aren't making the right decision. Um, you know, Timo, Timo's misses of good chances aside, there's also been plenty of games where we just really aren't making good enough chances. Um, so I totally get the idea that like we need another attacker in there that allows you to play with actual wingers when we have pretty good wingers in the squad uh, between all of our options. Um, that seems like a pretty good way to naturally get some attacking uh, flair into the team. Um, so all of those things have justification. But then again, if you buy someone like Hakimi very quickly, Reese is out or Hakimi then is, is not a natural fit in a back four. Um, so it, it's a bit cause for concern, honestly. Um, maybe one of the, again, we were talking about maximizing the money on Hakimi, maybe again, not a reason uh, to buy him. Sure, maybe maybe you just play him as an actual right winger if we switch to a 4-2-3-1. But again, someone's missing out. We have hudson Doy, we have Pulisic, we have Ziyech, we have... Uh, you know, <laughs> left winger Timo Werner. I don't think anyone wants to see that one again, but there's options in the squad and somebody will have to be sitting, uh, which is somewhat natural. But I think depending on the formation two, maybe even three players that people think should be starting uh, will be have to be sitting on the bench. So uh, you got to be really careful with this and Tuchel's opinion on these players. And as I said, a clear vision for what you have in mind for someone like Hakimi uh, needs to be solidified before you make a big buy like that. I don't want to just buy it because he's available and the club has tracked him for a long time. Uh, and then you end up with, nowhere really for him to play or it means that a player we'd rather have starting like Reese misses out so uh I just hope they know what they're doing if they're going to make a buy like that exactly that man I think that's probably one of one of your best explanations that you've given tonight and yeah I mean as you said there you know the allocation of funds is Hakimi the, the, the best what best choice for that we'll find out and see but then again you know as you said there as well you know a lot of people have different wants and needs shout out to Drake you know people want Mount People want this guy playing. People want that guy playing. And I guess you may probably see a couple of them surprise admissions next season. But yeah, um, Buzzy, thanks for joining for in, in this podcast. It was, it was really appreciated. No problem. Thank you for having me, as always. Timson, you know, I, you, you know you, you're always getting into your bag, man. I, I do appreciate you. Ah, oh, it's a pleasure. I really enjoyed being on with both of you guys. It's fun. All right. And we're out. Peace. I shot my shot, but I didn't have guap, so I hit the post. But next time it's a golden goal. And it- Sports Social Podcast Network.